0: We have been following the Apostle Paul through his missionary journeys, and we've been spending some time now on the third missionary journey in the city of Ephesus. Paul spends an extended amount of time there for about two years, and while he's there, he has the opportunity to minister to the church at Corinth in several ways. Last time we looked at the uh, second visit that he made to the city of Corinth, which is not recorded by Luke in the book of Acts, but is inferred from uh, several other passages in 2 Corinthians. And we also looked at the lost epistle or lost letter to the Corinthian church. This uh, would have been written prior to the writing of what we know as 1 Corinthians, so maybe we could refer to it as 0 Corinthians or. Uh, Proto-Corinthians or something like that. Uh, Today, what we're going to do is begin a uh, sort of mini-series on the letter of 1 Corinthians. We're going to take this in a couple different parts. I'm going to overview the letter, first of all, and then we'll look at chapters 1 through 5 and try to trace Paul's argument through the letter as he writes to the church at Corinth. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, both as recorded in the book of Acts by Luke, and as we have uh, recorded through his own words in the letters that he wrote that uh, remain for us in the New Testament. We thank you for the uh, letter of 1 Corinthians, uh, written to the Corinthian church. And we thank you for the uh, message that it contains, addressing some of the big issues uh, of, the, of the day in the city of Corinth. So we pray that as we look into these verses and into these chapters, that you would uh, help us to be able to understand their message for our lives and our time today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This letter was written to address several important issues Uh, that the Corinthians were facing in their church. And so chapters 1 through 4 deal with the uh, divisions that were in the church. There are going to be several different parties uh, that he talks about that the Corinthians are adhering to. In chapters 5 and 6, we see Paul dealing with moral laxity in the church, uh, particularly in areas of sexual immorality and uh, lawsuits that are being brought against one another. In chapter 7, Paul deals with issues related to uh, marriage and singleness in light of the culture uh, that the city of Corinth was, was uh, written within. Chapters 8 through 11 deal with the issue of meat sacrifice to idols and principles of Christian liberty and rights Uh, as it relates to the Christian life. Chapters 12 through 14 deal with problems associated with spiritual gifts and uh, some of the abuses of those in the church at Corinth. Chapter 15 deals with the resurrection and uh, some of the doctrinal disputes that were going on as a result of that. And then chapter 16 deals uh, with uh, Paul's future plans Uh, greetings from those who were in the church to the Corinthians and exhortations to the Corinthians. Now, as we begin, uh, we'll start in chapter 1. We see that in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul greets the church in Corinth and gives thanks for them in verses 1 through 9. This follows his general pattern that he had uh, presented in his first two letters to the Thessalonians that he had written from Corinth previously. He had also written an earlier letter to the Galatians. So this is really the third record, uh, the fourth, I'm sorry, recorded letter of Paul that we have in the New Testament. In verses uh, uh, 10 through 17, Paul appeals to the Corinthian church that they should be united and addresses their divisions, Head on. If we look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verses 12 through 13, he presents the problem that they were having. He says, What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas. Uh, Cephas here is Peter. This may be evidence that Peter had actually had an itinerant ministry in the uh, Aegean region. Perhaps Peter had some uh, contact with the Corinthian church here. Or, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? The uh, implied responses to all of those is, of course, no, it was Uh, into the name of Jesus that they were baptized. Jesus was the one who was crucified on their behalf. In verses 18 through 31, Paul speaks about the wisdom from God as foolishness to the world around us, but as wisdom to those who believe. So God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, the weak things to shame the strong. In verse 27, salvation then is not about intelligence or wisdom. It is what God has graciously done for us through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. So uh, it may not make sense to the world around us, but it is wisdom uh, in God's presentation of it to those who believe. Now in chapter 2, Paul continues his discourse on wisdom. Paul's goal among the Corinthians was not to present Christ with lofty speech or wisdom, but to simply show him as the crucified Savior whose death accomplished our salvation. I think there's a good point to uh, be made here, uh, and and it carries on throughout several of these chapters, early chapters of the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, The presentation of the gospel message Uh, is not what should really draw someone to the gospel itself. In other words, we shouldn't feel the need to dress up the gospel of Jesus Christ with all the bells and whistles, flashy lights, Uh, Preachers, proclaimers of the gospel don't need to feel like they need to shout or scream or dance or do whatever they do to attract people uh, to the gospel. The gospel itself, the good news about Jesus Christ, is itself powerful to save. That's what Paul proclaimed. He said, I didn't use lofty speech or uh, wise philosophical statements to try to draw people to to faith in Jesus Christ, I simply presented the truth of the Gospel message. But Paul goes on to say in verses 6-16 through that to the spiritually mature, in other words, to those who have uh, the Spirit of God and are being transformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, these words, the Gospel message is wisdom, the wisdom of God. Now, he says that the natural man, and I think this is a reference here to those who do not have the Spirit of God, those who are not uh, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, the natural man cannot accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse 14, Unsaved human beings cannot understand the deep things of God, unless the Spirit of God first works in their heart and in their life. And so our salvation is a gift from God. The Spirit of God convicts us and calls us to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in chapter 3, Paul is going to turn back to divisions in the church and he will talk about how he and the other evangelists Apollos and Cephas who have worked in Corinth are really just laborers but God is the one who causes the growth of the gospel in the lives of individuals looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 5 through 9 Paul writes what then is Apollos what is Paul servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each Their work as apostles, as ministers of the gospel, would be examined on the day uh, in verse 13, a reference to the coming day of the Lord, the day of Christ. The church collectively is referred to in verse 16 as God's temple. Believers in Christ are to be at work today then building up the temple of God in the church. Now, the chapter concludes with Paul saying that all the evangelists, Apollos, Peter, Cephas, uh, all these belong to the Corinthians, and in fact, all things belong to the Corinthians, for they belong to Christ. Because of their identity, their union with Christ, all of these things are theirs. They shouldn't limit themselves in uh, restricting themselves to just one evangelist, Uh, But really, all of them are for the sake of their spiritual growth and for the building up of their church. Uh, Now, in chapter 4, Paul begins chapter 4 by talking about how judgment in regard to God's ministers should be reserved for the Lord. We are not to uh, judge others as relates to their ministry before the Lord, but let Jesus judge when he comes, Therefore, we read, Do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from the Lord. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. So the Corinthians were living like they were uh, reigning kings, like they were royalty. They were judging as to who was the better uh, minister of the gospel, who was the more more powerful uh, spokesman for the gospel. But Paul says the apostles, the, the, the ministers of the gospel, are on display as weak and persecuted. And he even says they're the scum of the world. The refuse of all things, in verses 10 through 13. The the Corinthians were acting very arrogantly in their living and in their practice, but Paul reminds them that they should imitate him in their pursuit of Jesus Christ. In verses 18 through 20 of chapter 4, we read the following. Paul will say, Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? So Paul is rebuking their arrogance and saying you should stop Uh, presuming that you know all things and that you can judge all things. Now we come to chapter 5, and in chapter 5, Paul really gets right at the heart of some of the sin in the Corinthian church. He addresses sexual immorality in the church head on. The situation is recorded in in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans for a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant ought you not rather to mourn let him who has done this be removed from among you now paul very clearly tells the church there to get rid of this guy who is practicing this immorality sexual immorality in this way he will say in verse 5 deliver this man over to satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved because of his sin he was to be cast out of the assembly with the hope that this would cause him to repent they say this again using the picture of leaven in verses 6 and 7 there to cleanse Out the old leaven so as to be a new lump. Sexual immorality cannot be tolerated in the church. And so we will pick up here in chapter 5 as we begin our next session. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu slash partners.